the Askell Send Bites podcast with Margaret Mulholland. Thank you for joining me, Reno. It's great. It's great to meet you and to talk in person. And um, I'm going to sort of say a huge thank you because I'm really interested in your interest in special educational needs and um, what that looks like in, both in practice at Lillian Bayless School but also um, in your specific role within the school and then your broader interest to sort of improve special educational needs within the profession. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and tell, tell yourself and tell me a little bit about your job and what you do at Lillian Bayless. Thank you, Margaret. Um, it's really exciting to be here. I've not recorded a podcast before. Um, so I teach English at Key Stage 3 and Key Stage 4, um, but I am also the SEN subject lead for teaching and learning, which essentially means that I deliver whole school CPD to the teaching staff um, and, you know, kind of look at our provision um, and identify what we're doing well and perhaps where we could develop uh, in particular areas. So it's quite an exciting role, I have to say. And it's quite an unusual one, I think. In some some schools are developing roles of this kind, but others are leaving SEN within the school to the SENCO and only the SENCO. So tell us a little bit about why that's evolved at Lillian Bayliss, do you think? So I think, you know, I think it works having distributed leadership. Obviously, our SENCO has got the overarching strategic responsibility, but everybody is on board and, you know, the SENCO is just one person. So when you have people in each department advocating for the rights of children with SEND, I think it has more impact that way. Um, as opposed to everybody being on reliance, just being reliant on the Senko, um, you know, the fountain of knowledge. What do I do? Uh, what should I try next? You know, this way, everybody is talking about Zend and they have it at the forefront of their mind in their practice. So we recently started a Zend working group. So we have a member from a department who was the SEN champion. And when there's you know, curriculum planning or they're looking at assessment or we're trialing strategies. We know what that looks like across the curriculum. It's not just me and it's not just the Senko saying, oh, well, you know, you can use the teacher handbook um, and put a strategy from there. We've actually got people on the ground trialing it and it's fantastic. I think every school should do it. That's brilliant. To some schools, particularly large schools like yours, large secondary schools, Distributed leadership is still something that I think is not fully understood. You know, everybody's on a journey towards that distributed leadership. So having a sort of champion within each department or a lead within each department is, you know, it's a huge step forward for some settings. Um, but I think what you just said about it's not just about you within the department being the advocate but also expectations around everybody um championing yeah. send say a bit more about that we all know that we are teachers of send but we, we've kind of spread it out in that everybody is the leader of send so irrespective of your job title you'll have 
you know, that thinking hat on, well, actually, how could we make their school experience a little bit better? What's going to benefit them? It might be that you need to uh, tweak your pedagogical practice. It might be that you tweak the curriculum a little bit. You know, it's knowing the needs of your learners, because I think moving away from those generic sessions of this is what autism is, this is how it could present, um, has had a massive impact. It's, well, actually, this child in this particular year group will present in this way, and this is how we deal with it in art. Oh, actually, I've not tried that in maths. You know, it's having those constant conversations. It's no longer a case of, you know, a one-off session once a term or once an academic year. It's a constant conversation, and I think we'll just continue forward with that because we've seen the positive effect that's brilliant how long has that been the infrastructure at your school having that district uh, since, september. since september yeah, Fantastic. Since september, yeah. And you're starting to see those benefits because you're talking about those adjustments, aren't you? Those reasonable adjustments, those curriculum, those reasonable adjustments in the classroom, those curriculum adjustments. Um, And I'm just wondering how school CPD now looks because you talked about it being permeated with SEND rather than having SEND-specific CPD. Can you give me any examples of where that's worked well so that other other leaders can think about what, what would that look like in my setting? Uh, so, you know, we've looked at specific children and done it that way around as opposed to, oh, let's do a session on ADHD. And I think when you start with the children and work that way around it makes it far easier to tailor cpd sessions that you're going to offer so we recently did one uh, autism in girls in january because we have a group of girls who are masking and it's like okay well when they go home it may not be the same picture that we see in school so what can we do? And, you know, the discussions that we had in that, oh, well, actually, I thought I knew what autism was, but the way that it would present in a boy is not quite the way that it would present in a girl. And, you know, it gets people thinking, oh, now I recognise this because we've talked about it, so I can now address those needs. And that's that's so enabling, isn't it? Because I think it develops the kind of noticing skills in practitioners yeah. in every subject area. And I think it's certainly having worked with um, trainee teachers, I often felt frustrated that we talk a lot about observation. You know, the trainee teacher would go and do observations of experienced teachers. But we didn't talk a lot about noticing and how the skill of noticing becomes such an embedded skill, doesn't it, as you become a more practiced professional. And it's so important for pedagogy. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to sort of tie those noticing skills into CPD and sort of look at it as as something that helps across the board, even if you're looking specifically, as as you say, at something like autism in girls. Because I think people become inherently curious then, don't they, about the children they already know in front of them and just looking that little bit deeper at what's going on for that for that young girl. 
Yeah, and you know, we very much value student voice as well at the school. So we've had recordings of the student articulating their responses. This is what school is like for me. This is how I feel in science and this is what it's like in PE. And, you know, without listening to them, we'd kind of reach a point where, okay, well, we think that we've done as much as we can but actually how does that then translate into the children's experience and I think it's probably easier in a secondary setting because the children are you know able to verbalize what they want to say I mean I can see it working in primary with the old years as well Um, but it's been really insightful actually listening to the young people say this really works for me or you know I'd really like it if my teacher could help me in this way and you also talked to me when we were communicating by email so about student voice which you've just described as being so important and empowering for the strategies that teachers and leaders use but also about the strengths-based approach can you say a little bit about what you see as being a strengths-based approach and how it operates in your in your setting so I think I'll I'll speak for myself I think uh, in the early days of my career when I taught children who had additional needs I focused on what it was that they found challenging and I tried to plug those gaps whereas now it's like okay well let's start with what their strengths are what are their interests what are they actually good it's been an absolute game changer because I think embracing what they're good at as as their starting point it is far easier to say okay well this is the adjustment that I need to make because I know that this is what they can do as opposed to oh well this is what they find difficult what now so helpful to articulate it in that way and so brilliant because it goes back to what you said at the beginning doesn't it about knowing the individual rather than the condition you know knowing yeah the, the young person has a strength in this area and really zooming in on that specifically rather than thinking making assumptions about what autism is going to hold them back in relation to their autism or their dyslexia or the dyscalculia it's it becomes only a, a start point doesn't it to think about and then you really zoom into their particular specific strengths brilliant I'm going to ask you to move us on to sort of another element of our conversation that I'm really interested in. And that is your belief that um, professionally we could be doing more, not just within our individual schools, but as a profession to really build SEND in, in the way you've described that kind of permeated approach so that we think about SEND when we think about all children. Um, Do you want to tell me a little bit about your petition and, and where that notion came from? Um, goodness. Well, I think for me over the years, um, you know, being an English teacher, it was all about pushing academic progress. And, you know, you have to get these grades and the foundation to your journey into adulthood, so on and so forth. But over the years, having conversations with children who, you know, were interested in creative subjects or perhaps they wanted to pursue the vocational route, It quickly became apparent to me that uh, whilst academic achievement is, you know, absolutely uh, important, it is also imperative for them to pursue their strengths and interests. And I think that as an observation, 
it can be sometimes quite rigid where send is concerned. It's like, okay, well, let's get them to uh, improve their numeracy skills or their literacy skills. But it's like, well, okay, how about we explore getting them into horticulture because they've you know, demonstrated that they have an interest in gardening. And I think it always comes from what the children's interests are. I think that's what's kind of veered me towards that. What can we do to get people more enthused about Zend? Because, you know, I read people's experiences in other settings across the country and lots of practitioners actually feel quite ill-equipped. They're not confident and they think perhaps they'd be better off with you know the learning support department or a TA it's like well no you can do this but I think it you know it's flipping that narrative off oh well I don't know what to do to yes you absolutely can and this is the way that you can do it so yeah I kind of took a deep breath and said I'm going to start a petition to see if it could become you know a mandatory component in um, all of the teaching qualifications because it doesn't appear to run as the golden thread throughout the MPQs and I think if people are opting to do professional qualifications then they absolutely need to have a sound understanding of FBND. And that petition's been incredibly popular hasn't it? I mean, people have really responded positively and um, we're going to put a link actually next to the podcast so that when um, our members from ASCOL go in, they can look at the petition and decide to sign up. But also we'll put some other resources there that that might support sort of an explanation of of what you're doing and and why. So it's really exciting because what you just described there is you're saying that not only do you think that every professional qualification should have send within it. You're you're actually saying it should have it there because we all lack confidence in terms of what SCND and inclusion can look like. What you know, we often think it's something specialist, don't we? I think as professionals, yeah. rather than as you've described, you know, everybody can do this. Everybody does. Um, But almost championing that strengths-based approach with professionals, not just with the young people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people say to me, oh, you know, you're an expert, you've done it for years. And I I don't quite claim that title because, you know, it's like that quote, the only thing that I know is that I don't know anything, but, you know, there are so many things that I still don't know. I'm constantly learning. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that about, you know, PDA or I didn't know that about sensory needs. And I think it's not a destination that you can reach, that you absolutely know everything about SEND, but it's definitely a journey that everybody should embark on. Oh, I love that. That That's a great way of articulating it again. The the, the notion that we are comfortable as well, not knowing that, you know, that confidence is to be able to recognise that because every child is different and uh, every experience of, of an SEND is different, that actually we're always going to be learning, aren't we? And that and that's almost the excitement of working with young people with learning difficulties, isn't it? That actually they're on the journey with you. You're with them. You're both learning about what works. Um, and that can be really joyous, not just not challenging. You know, we always put this word challenging around SEND, don't we? Rather than this 
absolutely brilliant opportunity to dig into our professionalism and work with young people shoulder to shoulder. Thank you so much for articulating that so brilliantly. I really enjoyed it. And um, Rima, I'd really like to come back, um, you know, maybe in a few months time and think about where we are with those professional qualifications and maybe have a bit of a catch up podcast around, you know, what is happening within the early career framework? What is happening within the MPQ and every MPQ, the CEO MPQ, you know, that we want to have that consistent approach within all the qualifications as you described. So I'd love to invite you back if that's okay and really sort of review where we're at with that because we hope it's it's a conversation that really is taking flight at the moment that that I know that the big providers are looking to put more and more SEND modules within their programs but also to sort of make inclusion much more of a strength within some of those professional qualifications. So I hope you'll come back and join us very soon. Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. I remain hopeful that lots of positive change is afoot. That would be brilliant. Thank you so much. We've really enjoyed. And I'm going to put some um, resources with the podcast. So I hope that we can share some ongoing bits and pieces. You talked about the teacher handbook. That's been the feature of one of our podcasts and I'm really delighted to hear that you're using the teacher handbook send within um, the school successfully because we want so many schools to know about the opportunities that it, it offers to really embed SEND across the curriculum. Yeah so the way that we use it is that uh, the head teacher sends out a weekly top tip that is pulled from the teacher handbook um, because honestly, we've got to take our hats off. So everybody who was involved in compiling that book, so rather than say to staff, look at this amazing resource, could you please go off and read it? It's that kind of continuous message of little and often. You can use the spell method. This week you can try, you know, it's and it works that way because it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't have to dedicate lots of time going through this because I know that it's coming every week in the weekly email. So absolutely love it. Oh, that's brilliant to hear. Thank you so much. Really delighted to hear that. And what a great example of how schools are using it effectively. That's lovely to have. Thank you. Rena. thanks so much and have a lovely weekend. Really appreciate you having done this for us um, on a Friday evening. You are a dedicated professional. They're all, we're all dedicated professionals, but I take my hat off to you. Thank you so much. The Askel Send Bites podcast with Margaret Mulholland.